These people are dangerous, <laughs> reckless. Oh my goodness. Man, so hey, check it out. So it's Christmas in July. Woo! Right? And uh, got the Beach Boys going on. And this is our opportunity to be St. Nick to others. Because Christmas in July, uh, for the next two weeks, we'll be taking up an offering and raising funds for the body. So this is our outreach to ourselves, right? And so there may be some in, in our body that will need help this holiday season. And the way that we help them is we share one of those burdens. And so uh, it's exclusively from our grace body for our grace body. And so would you continue, consider, you know, giving an offering, sowing a seed in the life of your family? Amen? Thank you. There are some envelopes, and I think there's like a palm tree and like some more beach balls out there that you can actually put in the box out there. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got uh, my father's business. And so uh, this is outreach to our community. So if you can take a bag. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. Thank you. So, yeah, we got sound effects today. So, yeah. Yeah. so anyway. <laughs> Uh, take a bag, fill it up, bring it back, and bless those that are in our community. All right? And then lastly, if you can take out your phones, your handy-dandy phones, let's see. Yeah, your handy-dandy phones, let's see. I'm not about to take a selfie. Uh, uh, yeah, you see, yeah, yeah, thought. Yeah. And if you take out your phone, remember last year we uh, did immeasurably more, and we all signed our names on there saying, hey, I'm going to pray for grace at 930. Well, we send out email alerts, and the way that you can get an email alert is by texting 81010. 81010. So it'll be a, a note, something maybe for you to pray for. So take out your phone and text that, and we're going to text you back. Oh, I'm sorry. 81010, texting the word grace. They didn't give me that information. But thank you. And now it will work. <laughs> so... Amen. Well, uh, this morning we're going to close out our series on prayer. Uh, it will be our Sunday edition uh, this Tuesday. For the next two Tuesdays, we'll continue. But uh, this Tuesday, uh, Stacy will, will be teaching and she'll be walking us through freedom prayer. So you don't want to miss it. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, John will be leading some worship, John Jackson. And it's going to be just be a great time. So make sure that you are here. Uh, Tuesday, but uh, this morning we're going to close out our series on prayer, and you know we started the series called the Exchange. It's conversations that actually change everything. It's a series on prayer, and so how many know that your conversation with God can change everything? I mean, literally, 
When you talk to God, it can change everything. Um, you know, Jesus said it this way. In fact, when the enemy was trying to taunt him, and, um, and the enemy says, you know, make these stones and make them bread, and Jesus made a statement, Matthew 4, 4. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, right? So there are two main words for word in the Greek. Two main words for word. Isn't that confusing? Two main words for word in the Greek. The first one is logos. It's the written word. And the second one is rhema. It's an utterance or it's a spoken word. And so when Jesus says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, it's the word rhema, utterance. It's a spoken word. And so when God speaks to us when we pray, one of the main ways that God does that is uh, he speaks to us through his word. You know, one of the ways that uh, it's worked uh, for me and my family is, uh, you know, I've got four kids, and uh, my oldest is in London right now, and she's uh, studying abroad at Oxford, doing, uh, studying some literary stuff, doing some studying C.S. Lewis, kind of really cool stuff, but uh, while she's been there, you know, she's been gripped sometimes with night terrors. And how many know that sometimes when you're gripped with something or you're experiencing something, it makes you question God's love? When you face hardship or difficulty, sometimes it makes you question God's love. And so, you know, uh, my wife and I have been, you know, walking through this with her. And, you know, and so one night she's, you know, struggling. And, you know, I said, well, I'm going to send her a scripture. And I send her Romans 8, just talking about, you know, nothing can separate you from the love of God. And, you know, no powers, no angels. Nothing can separate you from God's love. And she texts me back and says, this is what God gave her. So I want to read it to you so that you can kind of get a glimpse of how God's rhema can work in your life because we live by every word that flows from God's mouth, his utterance. And so sometimes as you're reading the scriptures, a word will jump off. It'll become a rhema to you. It's Isaiah chapter 54, verse number 10. It reads, For, for though the mountains should depart and the hills be shaken or removed, Yet my love and kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace and completeness be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Though it seems like everything is going haywire around you, the mountains are shaking the seas, the seas are rising up. God says, listen, you need to understand that my love is not removed from you. I am the Lord that has compassion on you. It doesn't matter what you're experiencing. Listen, we don't live by what we experience. We live by what we know. We don't live by what we feel. We live by what we know. And so I may be going through a difficult time, but what I know is that he will never remove his love from me. And that's how a, a rhema, a conversation with God can work. God, I need your help. When we started out this series, we started with a word, and the word was call. It was a, it's a prayer word. There are many words of prayer, and this is, fact, in fact, one of the most overt prayer words uh, and the first overt prayer word in Scripture. It's Genesis chapter 326, when after man's fall and, and uh, 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 Cain slays his brother, has a, uh, a son, Lamech, and Lamech uh, takes two wives 
because he just figured he got it like that, right? You want to be a player player, I guess. And, um, and he actually kills a man and a boy. And then Seth names his son Enosh. Enosh means mortality. So in other words, Seth says, man, <laughs> we're mortal. We need God. And so the scripture says, and at that time, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. That following Tuesday, Stacy used the word listen. He says, come grow in your ability to listen to the living God. How many know that God wants to speak to you? Maybe just a couple of you, but it's okay. <laughs> then Martin came and he spoke about leaving behind the orphan spirit. Listen, we pray as sons and daughters because we have received the spirit of adoption. Uh, Paul said it like this, we have not received the spirit of slavery or, or, or bondage of slavery, but we have received the spirit of adoption that we might cry, Abba, Father. So when we pray, we need to pray that we've been adopted. God has brought us in his family. And so we don't pray as beggars. We talk to God as sons and as daughters. Then Shanae taught, and she says that we are God's dwelling. We ourselves are a house of prayer. So listen, the, Jesus says that my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. So collectively, we are a house of prayer. But individually, we are a house of prayer. We are God's dwelling place. And Martin came back and he made this statement. I hope that you uh, will let this sing in your heart. He said, God is smart. And we need to know that during the desert seasons. Because God knows things that you don't know. He knows things you don't need to know. And he knows things that you may never know. Trust him. When we pray, we should trust. Then we learn on yet another Tuesday how the gospel shapes how we pray in Jesus' name. And last week, Bryce used the word reveal. Jeremiah 33 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. What does God want you to want to reveal to you, you about yourself? And what does God want you to know about him? See, I like to say it like this, that God wants you in the know. He doesn't want you grasping in the dark. He wants you in the know. This past Tuesday, Shanae uncovered the word abide, and she began to talk about prayer and, and a friendship with God. God actually spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend that we should dwell, that we should remain, we should stay in him. There should be some times of abiding prayer. And each of these conversations is crucial to seeing the kind of transformation that happens in prayer. This morning, I want to unpack the idea of seeking. One of the things that we need to discover as we seek him is that we need to know that the seeking is mutual. It's a mutual seeking. As we seek the Father, the Father is seeking us. 
Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless or loyal toward him. Can you imagine that? That God is looking and he's searching. Jerry, Gary, Rick, Mary, he's looking for you. He's looking throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on your behalf. He's seeking you. Jesus said it another way in John 4, 23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship you, worship him. He's looking for people. He's seeking people. So there is a mutual seeking. We are in pursuit of a relationship with the creator of all things. And he is a person. He's a person with a personality, with character and perspective. He's a person. You ever met somebody that you're like, man, I don't like to be around that person. They're fun to be with. Where do you think that person got that personality from? They got it from God. So if we would understand that God has a personality and he's fun to be around. I should say that again because someone's like, no, he's holy. (laughs) The more we pursue him, the more we know his voice. And his voice is a reflection of his personality, his character, and his perspective. He sings and he laughs. He loves and he gets angry. He's a lover and he's a fighter. He speaks and he listens. He takes action and he waits. But he never sleeps or slumbers or lies or gives false hope or false promises. He is true. He is a person who pursues and is to be pursued. And in any healthy relationship, there is a mutual pursuing and a mutual seeking. And there is the simple joy of being in one another's presence. So God is asking us a question this morning. Will you seek me? You want to get to know my personality and my character and my perspective. See, both New Testament and Old Testament ideas uh, that dig deep in the word seek have this connotation. And it's to require. Can you imagine that? How would our lives change if we required God? Like, he's not an addendum to our life. He's not peripheral. But he's like the main thing. Right, you know what I'm saying? He's like the main dish. He's not like um, an appetizer to our life to spice it up. 
He is the substance. God wants to be our requirement. Even when we've sung the songs, but he wants to be the requirement beyond the melody. But he wants to skate in our homes, in our workplaces, that we demand him, that we would seek him like Jesus said first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all righteousness. When he's the priority in our living, when he is sought first in our troubles and fought first in our triumph. When he becomes like Job described, I have treasured your words, the words of his mouth, more than my portion of food. A different kind of it's a different kind of seeking. So let us go to our main text this morning, at least our initial text. It's Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. To seek is to seek out, it's to demand, it's to inquire, it's to require, it's to search out. Can you imagine if you demanded God, like, you know what? I don't need nothing else. What I need is God. I, I, need to, I need to make a demand on his person and his presence. God, I'm going to call out to you because I need you. I can't live without you. I can't have a no other way. Because you are my demand. It's a requirement for living. I can't do this thing without you. And the truth is, whether you know it or not, you can't do it without him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think one of our challenges is sometimes we don't understand the full value of seeking. We think that our seeking is empty or vain or foolish. But we do not seek for nothing. We seek the king of glory. We seek the creator of all things. It is he who we seek. We seek the one who answers darkness with light. We seek the one who answers emptiness and he fills it. We seek an active, involved God who desires to intervene in our affairs. And as I was praying for you this week and praying about what God wanted to share, I believe God wants you to know he is a rewarder. It is impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Now, I want you to notice something. It didn't stop there. 
Notice the sentence does not finish. It does not end with us believing that God exists and that he's real. But it continues that we must also believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. It's not enough that you believe God, that God is there, that he exists, that he exists. No, God says, I want you to believe that I also reward those who seek me. He is a rewarder. In other words, God says, listen, it's time for you to stop praying without expectation because I'm a rewarder. See, seekers receive rewards. God wants to combat our unbelief. He desires to combat our arrogance, arrogance that says that I don't need to expect anything from God. Faith believes that God is and that God rewards. Mm -hmm. So even as we think about pursuing God, seeking God in prayer, one of the reasons it's difficult is because we have somehow disconnected prayer with expectation or hope. Maybe because we don't think prayer works or uh, the conversation seems, seems mute or only one way, but we must make him a priority anyway. God does speak and God does answer. God is a rewarder. Genesis, the first chapter, God talks about what he does is good seven times. He's a rewarder. He made things and then he blessed it. He's a blesser. He's a rewarder. He is a good, good God. And when we pray, we should pray from a perspective that I've got a good father that wants to hear me, that's pursuing me, and wants to answer and reward me. I know it goes against some of the ways that we think about God, but God is good and he wants to reward you. Whether in worship or in prayer, we need to know he will reward. Now, one of the challenges that we face is sometimes we think that God will be good to Norfolk, but he won't be good to me. Or God will be good to Shanae, or God will be good to Doug, because look at all that stuff they do for God. He'll be good to them. But at least three times, the Scripture says that God shows no partiality. Even though I am his favorite, he doesn't show favoritism. <laughs> he just simply makes us all feel like we are his favorites. He's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of desire and pursuit. So one of the ways that reward is translated, it can be translated as one who pays wages. So I want us to go back and reread Hebrews 11 and 6 uh, with the NSV version. Y'all know what the NSV version is, right? You should know by now. The Northlet Shoemake version. All right, here we go. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he pays wages to those who demand and require him. 
God pays wages. And I need you to understand he's not stingy. I'm going to say that again. He is not stingy. He is not stingy. He is not stingy. He puts Adam and Eve in a garden called Eden, which means opulence or pleasure or presence. And they could freely eat from everything. He wasn't stingy. He only said you can't have one thing. But everything else, enjoy. That's not stingy. Here, notice the qualifier. It's a whoever qualifier. <laughs> Anybody that seeks him. Anybody. If you seek him, he'll reward you. If you seek him, he'll reward you. If you seek him, he'll reward you. And he's not stingy. So maybe how does he reward? Well, maybe he rewards with the things we are so concerned about. Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So the things that you're worried about, you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. Right? Maybe it's that. Now, the King James says it this way. He says, seek ye first. And one of the, this is, this is kind of a little helpful. When you see the word ye in the King James, it's plural. When you see the word you, it's individual. Okay? So when we say, seek ye, he's saying, all of you in this room, seek ye first. All of you in here, seek ye first. And so the call is to us collectively, but the reward is for us individually. All these things will be added to you personally. All of you seek me, and when, each one, and when all of you seek you, each one of you will have an individual reward. I'm concerned about your affairs, Dan. That's what God says. I am. <laughs> I'm sleepy too, man. <laughs> but notice this. Seeking the things does not bring the reward. Seeking the things are not the, re they're, they're not the reward. I don't know if you've ever done this. You went and said, man, I can't wait to get this car. And you bought the car, and like a month or two later, you're like, man, I need to get this updated. I need to get a new one. Or you thought you would buy something that will bring you some peace. But it brings no reward because we're expecting, uh, we're expecting reward from things that don't give reward. We're expecting peace from things that don't bring peace. Pookie don't bring peace, y'all. You think you're going to hook up with so-and-so and she's going to make your world better? Now you're crazy. Now stop looking at your spouse. I'm going to say them. I was talking about Pookie. No. No. 
Listen, sometimes we put requirements on people that can't meet those requirements because they were never qualified or equipped to meet them. And you're expecting them to do something for you, but they're not. Stop expecting that from them. You're giving, you're expecting something from them that they're not, they're not equipped to give you. I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> see, our lives are a reflection of the things we seek. How we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we spend our talents is a reflection of what we seek. And the world around us is constantly concerned about what we will eat, what we will wear, where we will live. But we need a paradigm shift. We need to seek first the king and his dominion, kingdom. And his righteousness, his righteousness, the way he does things. God has a way of doing things. And the truth is, as you read that verse, notice Jesus is giving us a, a promise. If, if we seek first, he will add. If we seek first, he will add. If we seek first, he will add. And he is true to his word, so we can expect. Faith is not faith unless there's expectation. Expectation is hope, and faith and hope are very much linked. We cannot be people of prayer and not be people who are hopeful. Prayer is not just a sign of my need. Prayer is a sign of my expectation. I believe the one I'm praying to is my help. It's why David wrote it like this. He said, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains from where shall my help come. Now, in many ver translations, it puts a period there, but the, the New American Standard says, puts a question mark. It says, uh, it says, I will lift up my head, uh, eyes to the mountains from where shall my help come, question mark. No, no, no. My help doesn't come from the high place. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, it was the neighboring nations, the pagan nations that would look to the mountains for help. David says, no, 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 that's not where I go for help. I go from help to God. He is my helper. I think, and go through the, the Psalms, I, I love studying the shepherd boy David, the worshiper David, the warrior David, the king David. And I notice one of his priorities after becoming king is 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 3. He says, Then let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we did not seek it in the days of Saul. Saul was Israel's first king. Prior to that, they had judges. And in, during Saul's leadership, uh, Saul would be very rash in his decision-making. And he would be one that would go to God after the fact. I'm not talking about y'all. So I'm talking about what Saul did. Right. And the ark of God is symbolic of God's presence and God's face. And David says, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to bring that thing back here. We need God's presence. We need God's face back here. See, when you read the Psalms, these are indicators of what was taking place in David's life. 
In Psalm 63 and 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David says, I am parched without you. I am dehydrated without you. I can't live without you. Oh God, my God, earnestly I seek you. Some translations say, early in the morning I seek you. I seek you first. You're the first thing on my calendar. You're my priority. And if I don't seek you, I would just die. If I don't get you, if I don't apprehend you, I would just fall out and collapse. David is speaking from a place of desperation. See, it's no wonder that we read the story of David in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. When David brings the ark back and he's bringing it to the city of David, the Bible says that he brought it back with leaping and dancing, with shouts and sounds of joy. Why? Because David walked in a revelation that led him to have an expectation that, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies, they endure forever. So I can expect good to show up. Why? Because I serve a good God. And when I bring his presence back into the camp, man, his presence makes a difference. See, when, when David was bringing the ark in initially, uh, they brought it back uh, and they were dancing and, and they put, the Bible says they put it on a new cart and they put it on there and, uh, uh, and, and, the, and the beast was riding it, it was, was carrying the ark. And all of a sudden the beast stumbled and the ark began to fall. And Uzzah and Ahio, Uzzah put his hand to the ark and God struck him dead. Didn't I say God has a way of doing things? And at that moment, David was angry with the Lord. And he said, you know what, I'm going to drop that presence off somewhere else. I don't know if I want to take that back home. And he dropped the ark of God to the house of Obed-Edom. And the ark stayed at Obed-Edom's house for about, I think it was three months. And the Bible says in Obed-Edom's whole household was blessed. When God's presence shows up in your household, the whole household is blessed. If you weren't getting crops prior, you're getting crops now. If you were fruitless prior, you're fruitful now. If you were barren prior, now you're fruitful now. Because when God's presence shows up, I told you, he don't show up handicapped. He shows up in fullness. Now, the question is, what will we expect from him when he shows up? See, the anointing destroys the yoke, but faith releases the anointing. That was good teaching. You need, you need to just put that in your pocket and pull it out when you need it. 2 Samuel 6, 15 and 16. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised, his, despised him in her heart. She had a problem with his praise, but she didn't have his revelation. 
See, you despise somebody's praise if you don't have their revelation. And as a result, she became barren, but uh, the, the children of Israel became victorious. Why? Because you, when you have God in the camp, he blesses the whole household. He is a blesser. So he's going to ask you, will you seek me? Will you seek the one who rewards? Will you expect from him? Not to expect from God is foolish. And sometimes in our arrogance, we're like, well, I'm good. I don't need God to do nothing. I got this. Or we say it like this, well, you know what, I'm just going to be a soldier, I'm going to sojourn, I'm going to be suffer, 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 suffer. Because like, some of that you ain't got to suffer with. I didn't ask you to do that. You just want to show how, everybody how tough you are. Anyway, let me keep moving. Maybe the second to last scripture. Psalms 27, verse 8. Again, I'm reading this out of the King James. When thou sayest. You know, sometimes I don't like reading the King James because it amplifies my list. But anyway, uh, he says, when thou sayest, seek ye. Remember what does ye mean? Plural. He says, seek ye my face. This is David's response. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, I will seek. So the, 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 the request or the invitation is to us all. All of you in here, will you seek me? And David says, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to seek your face. I want to see you face to face. Why? Because when you get somebody's face, you get their words. When you get their words, you get their oath, you get their promise. One of the ways maybe for you to think about this is because too often what we are content with is we're content getting God's hand when God wants you to get his face. And there are moments that as my kids were younger, I'll be walking and I'll be holding their hands. You see, the face speaks of attention, right? And I'd be holding their hand, and while I'm holding their hand, I'm thinking about all kinds of stuff. What bills I got to pay before they shut them off? I, I don't know. You know, just the things that you think about. You know, like Sinead asked me to go to the, the grocery store. She said, get this. Get, mm, what did she say? You know, I'm thinking about a whole bunch of stuff. I'm, not, I'm just holding their hand. And every so often, the kid would tap you on the leg and say, look, look, why? Because they want your attention. And we need to be children that say, God, oh, yeah, thank you for your hand, but I want your face. I want your attention. Because when I get your face, I get your hand. So now I'll hold his hand and I look up at him. I'm releasing what's in my hand, he's releasing what's in his hand. And there is an exchange happening as we are mutually seeking and pursuing one another, having conversation with one another.
finally, John, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. Speaks, speaks of expectation. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. His will is his perspective. The way he does things. So I pursue him to know him because I want his perspective. I want his will. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So I have confidence that when I pray according to God's will, he hears me. And if he hears me, then I know, guess what? I got the request that I've been asking for. So in other words, I can pray with expectation. Now the trick is not giving up in God's time frame. Because you're waiting, wait not with disappointment, but wait with expectation. You know what? Uh, David said like this, I have been young and I have been old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. And in other places, I will be confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He had an expectation. And so as you seek the Lord, as you make him your requirement, expect him. Why? Because the, the, the final reward of a seeker is God rewards you with himself. He tells Abraham, after Abraham had just got through having a fight, a battle, and he won, just giving an offering. And God says to Abraham, I will am your shield, and I am your exceeding great reward. I'm your defender, and I'm your supplier. He says, I am. He, in other words, he says, I'm not just going to reward you. I will be your reward. And I'm telling you, if you get God, you get everything that you need. Listen. Be in hot pursuit of him. I remember years ago, my wife was uh, teaching and preaching, and, uh, and she gave this illustration, and I'll, I'll never forget it. She says, God wants to be in a relationship with you. But you know, there are some times that people want a relationship with you, and you're like, eh, you're all right. I don't know if I'm that interested. God wants a relationship. And he's more than all right. He's the God of gods. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the lily in the valley. He's the ancient of days. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the first He's the last, he's the beginning, he's the end, he's my redeemer, he's my keeper, he's my healer, he's my provider, he's my peace, he's my righteousness, he's everything I can ever desire or even want. He is all in all. And so I pray this morning 
that God would ignite our hearts to be those that would seek him. That we would not be casual observers. That we'd be in pursuit of him. And we would expect that when we get him, when we have his presence, it'll change everything. When we get his word, it'll change everything. So, Father, you sent your word and you healed the land. God, you told Jeremiah, 29 and 11, Open your eyes, open your eyes. I think God wants you to know something. Jeremiah 29, 11. You can turn there if you want, or you can just listen to me read. Many of you know this. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Another translation would say, I know the thoughts that I have. Well, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Plans for welfare or goodness and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now God's writing this to a people who are in captivity. He's writing this to people that are facing hardship. And God says, listen, what I need you to understand, I know that you're facing hardship, and listen, this suffering that you're in is not my plan for you. Now, you're in this predicament typically because the enemy is waging a war or if you made bad decisions, but that's not my plan. He says, my plan is welfare. It's goodness to you. And it's not evil. So if you're feeling like you're under an evil attack, that's not God's plan. He says, my plan is that you would have a future and a hope, that you would have expectation. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. In other words, I will be your reward, declares the Lord. When you seek me wholeheartedly, I will be right there, and I will restore your fortune." Everything the enemy robbed you of, I'll restore. Why? Because he's good. I'm not saying that you'll live your life singing through the forest and flowers and roses will spring forth and birds will be singing. That may not be your experience on the outward, but it can be your experience in the inward, because you have an expectation that God will be good to you. So, Father, I pray again. And I thank you for your people. God, I pray that we would encounter your anointing, that we would encounter your presence, 
God, that we would want it more than the necessary food. God, that we would be like David, that we would long for you, like we were in a dry and thirsty land, God, that we couldn't live without you. God, that we would make you our requirement. We would make you our demand, God, that we can't do this life without you. So, Father, I pray that you would give us courage to seek you. God, that we would trust you and that, Lord, we would know your personality and that we would know your character and that we would see from your perspective. God, strengthen your people right now in the name of Jesus. God, you're not withholding And somebody's like, but God's withholding. Listen, that's not the Bible. You feel like God is withholding from you. The scripture teaches that God withholds no good thing from them that walk uprightly. So God, strengthen your people. Holy Spirit, breathe upon your people. Set us ablaze. Set us afire. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a super Sunday. We love you. see